Man, what a joy, absolute joy to witness a couple of people going public and saying, Jesus has changed my life, right? This is why we exist, church, right? It's why we, this is our reason for being, to help people discover who Jesus was, to give their lives to him, to live in submission to the Lordship of Christ, and then to live their life on purpose and mission for his kingdom and for his purposes in their life. And it is an absolute joy to be here with you today. I'm excited for each of you. I believe that God has something specific in mind for every person in this room. Uh, I believe that the Holy Spirit is not limited by, by what I've come to share. Uh, you may hear my words and what I say may impact you. It may directly relate to where you're at in your life, but there may be something that the Spirit of God who is in this room and who's also part of the live stream that he may say to you directly. You know, there was a, a, a gentleman came to me before first service with a, with a prophetic word. He had a vision and he, he just saw, I, I'm not going to explain the whole vision, but he said, Scott, there's an, there's an urgency today in the room. And I don't know who that's for. And he didn't know who that was for. And the Spirit of God does know who that's for. But he said to me this, and I'm going to expand this a little bit later, but he said that today is a very important and even in, he was almost crying when he showed this. He said, today is a day of urgency for some. And maybe that's you in the room and maybe you've already sensed that God is speaking to you. Maybe in the time of worship, maybe you're hearing baptisms, maybe you're already sensing that there's a heaviness, there's a gravity to what's gonna happen here for you today. Maybe you're online, maybe you're at home, maybe you weren't able to be here today. And you likewise are feeling that there's a gravit, there's like a certain gravitas to what's gonna happen in this room today. I believe that God is here, he's present, and he wants to speak to some of you in a very specific way today. We've been exploring uh, the foundations of the church for the last three weeks. Uh, we we're in an eight-week series to kind of unpack the eight foundations of a church, of this church, of any church that's a Bible-believing church. They should embrace similar foundations for the, the operation of the body of Christ. And we've said from the beginning that these foundations of the church also serve as foundations of our individual lives. And I exhorted you in week one to really decide that God's word needs to be a foundation in your life. And it, it will always be a foundation in this church. I want you to know that. We've said that prayer is a foundation of the church and of our lives. We've also said that worship, last week worship, is a foundation of the church. And it ought to be a foundation of your life. I didn't say this in the first service, but I want to remind you, if, if the whole of your worship happens in this room on a Sunday morning, you are living short of all that God has for you in worship. Our lives are meant to be living sacrifices, holy and pleasing unto the Lord. Our life is an act of worship, and you should, you should have more moments of worship than just for 20 minutes on a Sunday morning, okay? Uh, today, I want to talk about the importance of community. Uh, this is our fourth foundation. It, it can mean several things, community, fellowship, accountability. We'll talk about all those things. But I want to say to you before I read a historic proclamation that nobody in this room was designed by God to live in isolation from other believers. We had our group link event five weeks ago. We had over 600 individuals sign up for over 700 different things in the church. God is on the move and people are getting involved. But there may be some of you yet today who haven't yet taken that very first step to get connected to biblical community. 
You haven't yet arrived at the place where you understand how important and vital it is, how foundational it is for you to be connected to other believers in relationship for biblical community, accountability, and fellowship. So I wanna, I'm gonna talk about that today. We're gonna illustrate a bit, but I wanna read to you something that was written and published in the Reading Eagle many years ago, okay? And this was, again, a public statement, a proclamation of historic proportion. This is what it says. It is therefore fitting and proper that this day, the first of a week of festivities, reunions, and pageantry, should be devoted to giving thanks to him through whose divine providence this celebration has been made possible. Printed in the newspaper, it said, we should give thanks to God for whose divine providence made this possible. This then will be the theme of the services in all the churches, and it is hoped that everyone, I love that, that everyone, residents and visitor alike, will attend church on this day. Imagine that to be printed in the newspaper today. Wouldn't that be pretty cool? Go to your own church if you are a member of a church. If you're not a member of a church, go to any church and you will be very welcomed there. Help us by your presence to start the celebration of Reading's 175th anniversary today. That was printed 100 years ago in the Reading Eagle. 100 years ago in Reading newspapers, this public proclamation was made 100 years ago to celebrate the city of Reading 175 years old. That means that our city is now 275 years old for those who are not good at math, okay? But I think it's interesting, 100 years ago, we've been talking throughout this series that our church, our origin story was 100 years ago in 1923, the same year that that public proclamation was made to celebrate 175 years of Reading, in that year, seven women gathered on Schuylkill Avenue and began to pray and seek the face of God for a move of Pentecost in Reading, Pennsylvania. This church is here because of their prayers over 100 years ago. Four years later, in 1927, GT Church became Glad Tidings Tabernacle and became officially incorporated as a body of believers to worship and magnify the God of the universe. So we are 96 years old on paper, but we are 100 years old in spirit, amen? And so we've been celebrating and, and acknowledging the foundations of the church, the things that, that this church is built on and the things that your lives should be built on. 100 years ago, it, was, it seemed to be understood that it was important to be in, in, involved in the community of believers. Well, in the ancient world, in the biblical text, that was innately understood. It, we're going to look at a couple of different scriptures today. Uh, one of it involves Peter and Paul. Another one, even before the time of Jesus in Proverbs 27. It seems that it was well understood in the ancient world that being connected to like-minded people, people of faith, being connected to the community of believers was a well-understood foundation. And I want to bring that forward to us today that I want you to understand how important it is for you to be connected to community, to other godly people that will spurn you on to live a life that honors Jesus. Our, our core verse today is something that probably is very familiar to many of you. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron... So one person sharpens another. 
Many of you probably memorize the NIV version. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. But it isn't just limited to men, obviously. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And I want to open for you something that Paul the Apostle wrote probably 20 or 30 years after Jesus had died on the cross. He rose again. He ascended to heaven. And then the church started to take root. The church started to build its own foundations on the beliefs that were being now transmitted by the the apostles and disciples of Jesus. Peter was one of them. Peter was one of the, the most outspoken of the disciples. In fact, he was the most outspoken before the day of Pentecost. You, some of you probably can relate to Peter. Peter was the kind of person whose words got ahead of his brain. I'm not ask, gonna ask you to raise your hand, but some of you in this room are like Peter. You relate to Peter. You identify with Peter. You're like, you know what? Yeah, sometimes I start to talk and then later I realize that's not what I should have or wanted to say. Your, your words get ahead of you. That was Peter. Peter was the, a man of faith who walked on water. He was also the guy who impulsively cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest, Malchus, when they came to arrest Jesus. Peter had, high, had highs and lows. He, he was a person of extremes. Again, I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but some of you can relate to Peter. You have the, he was like a roller coaster disciple. He had highs and lows. He was, he was the one who, again, walked on water. Then he was denying Jesus. On his most critical night of his life, Peter said, I don't know the man. He had all these highs and lows. But then the day of Pentecost comes, and Peter gets, with the other disciples, 120, he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. He receives the power of God, and all of a sudden now he becomes the spokesperson of the early church. God did a supernatural transformative work in Peter's life when he filled him with his spirit. Now, many of us in the church probably imagine from that day forward then, Peter's got it all together. Like Peter then, he's filled with the spirit, he's baptized, he's a spokesperson. Peter's got it all together, right? Like, of course. So I'm going to read to you something that doesn't suggest that Peter always made the right choices. And again, I think that gives every one of us life in this room. Every one of us watching online, I want you to be encouraged that even though Peter was the mouthpiece for the early church, he didn't always get it right. And neither do you. Neither do I. We don't always get it right. That's why we need community. That's why you and that's why I need other brothers and sisters in our lives that provide this sharpening effect that the proverb said 700 years before Jesus was ever born. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So here's what happened. So Peter is, is ministering in certain places in, in the Asia Minor. There's this church in Galatia, uh, which is a region. And Paul writes a letter to the believers in this, this grouping of churches. It's not just one church, it's several churches. And what happened was Peter was among these believers and there were these other men who came from James and they started to persuade Peter that you needed to actually do other things in addition to faith in Christ to be saved. And they start to bring division in the church. In fact, Paul calls them these, these um, wolves in sheep's clothing. They were what we know as the Judaizers. They started to say that just because you have faith in Christ doesn't mean you don't also have to do all of our traditions of our Jewish faith. And so they started to add to the, the, the faith in Christ different actions and behaviors that were added to the formula for salvation. 
And Paul says, no, 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 no. And you can read the end of Galatians 2 on your own time. But he basically goes on to say, the only thing you need to go to heaven is faith in Christ alone. It's faith in Jesus and him alone that, that is required for salvation, for the forgiveness of sins. But when these men come, they start to bring these ideas at, and, and they start to persuade Peter, Peter, maybe you shouldn't be having lunch with the Gentiles because they're kind of unclean. Yeah, I know they're Christians, they're believers, but maybe for meals, you, the Jews should eat over here and the Gentiles should eat over here. And Peter was persuaded that that would be a good course of action. And Paul had issue with that. And so I'm gonna read to you what Paul wrote to the Galatians about what was happening here. So he writes, he, and, he, and again, I don't recommend this, um, this approach for conflict resolution at your workplace, in your family. I don't think conflict generally needs spectators, but Paul made this a very public confrontation, probably because he wanted everybody to hear that what Peter was doing wasn't okay. So it says this in verse 11. When Cephas, or Peter, came to Antioch, it says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. So he was doing what he should do. Paul would later on write, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We are all one in the body of Christ. Paul was, the gospel destroys racial and ethnic barriers. Can somebody say amen, right? There should not be racial and ethnic barriers in the body of Christ. And these men started to withdraw from eating with their Jewish brothers. And Paul's like, no, 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 that's not okay. That's not how we act in alignment with the gospel. So Paul confronted Peter about this. He said, before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid. I just want that to settle on your spirits because Every single one of us at some point in our life have been or will be tempted to stray from the purity of the gospel because somebody put pressure on us. And Peter was not immune to that kind of pressure. Peter was afraid of what his Jewish brothers were thinking about him, and so he started to bend and compromise. And many of us in this room can identify with that because sometimes we are tempted to compromise on our actions and behavior because of what other people might think of us or because of the pressure that's being exerted on us from our friends. So it says, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews then joined him in his hypocrisy. I want you to notice that when leaders start to, to drift away from the truth of God's word, sometimes they also lead others astray. If you, the Bible says we should not rush to want to be leaders because we know that we're held to a higher standard. And Peter's hypocrisy led others astray so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, Paul said, when I noticed that these men of God were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas or Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow your Jewish customs? Now, I already set the context for this, but I want to I bring this into focus today. Because Peter's hypocrisy, the only reason this stopped was because the Holy Spirit used 
community used another brother in the Lord to identify Peter's waywardness, his error, and to bring him back into alignment with the truth of the gospel. The bottom line for this today is believers thrive in biblical community. Every one of us in this room who identifies ourselves as a Christian or a follower of Jesus or a believer, you and I are designed to thrive within the context of biblical community, of godly relationships, of accountability with other believers. You and I were never designed to live in isolation from other Christians. Some of you are doing that right now. Some of you, you come to church, you sit in your chair, you go home, and you have zero contact with other believers for seven days. Brother and sister, that is not God's will for your life. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. God's desire and design for you is that you would get connected to biblical, godly friendships and relationships, the community of the believer, so that you can experience the benefit of having mutual sharpening in your life. As iron sharpens iron, so one man or one person sharpens another. So what happens in our lives when accountability is absent? What happens when we do live in isolation? When we, when we don't have brothers to call us out, we don't have sisters to lovingly bring us back like Paul did to Peter? What happens? Here's some things that can happen. And you saw it happen in Peter's life. So Christ followers may go astray and not be brought back in a timely fashion. When you live absent of accountability with brothers and sisters in the Lord, you may spend more time than needed away from the truth of God's word. Many people find themselves at times drifting away from being in line with the gospel. You just kind of drift in life. You know, life has a way of, of bringing that, you know, the, the pressures of life and the circumstances and the, the, the burdens of life sometimes just cause us to drift. And the longer you live in this space, drifting from God, without a brother or sister to, to help you see where you are, you are living longer in that space than you need to be. But when you have a brother or sister who loves Jesus like you ought to, and they identify that, you know what, friend, you're not living in alignment with the, the truth of God's word, they lovingly bring you back. And you spend less time than needed away from God. That wayward person then leads others astray. And during this time of waywardness, they're less fruitful, less effective, less productive for, for the kingdom. In fact, in Proverbs eleven fourteen, many of you know this, it says, where there is no counsel, the people fail. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. When you are connected to the foundational aspect of the community of the body of Christ, the proverb, again, ancient eternal truth. 2,700 years ago, Solomon put this pen to paper and said, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Friend, you were never meant or designed to live in isolation from other Christians. You are made for community and connection to the body of Christ. So what happens when accountability is present? You know, there's, this is, if, if you're a, if, how many of you in this room are craftsmen or builders, like home improvers, you, you enjoy that. Come on, raise your hand. Don't be shy. Raise your hand if you like to, if you like power tools, raise your hand. Anybody with me? Come on, praise the Lord. I could, 
How many can spend time at Home Depot in the tool aisle? Just no agenda. Come on. I see that hand, Dave. Like, come on. No agenda, just walking up and down, looking at the tools. Man, there's just, there's a peace. Like the peace of God is on that place. Anyhow, you have to take those images out of your mind because 2,700 years ago, they didn't have tools like that. And if they wanted to sharpen a tool, it was probably a file. It was probably some other ancient apparatus, not this vice, that held the, 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 the tool that needed sharpening in place so that iron could sharpen iron. And it was like this. You just sharpen the tool. Very gradually, very consistently, very methodically, they would sharpen the blade. Now, this is a mower blade. In first service, I admitted that I'm an amateur at this, uh, more like a novice. And I, this is what I was, for some of you, you're going to cringe at this. I was doing this. See? Some of you know what I didn't know at first service. They're like, what are you doing? So I had literally after first service, a guy jumped on stage like, Scott, can I, can I help you? Like, of course you can help me, please. Because I was at first service like doing this. I like the sound of that, but he said, no. He's like, no, no, no. It's like iron sharpens iron. This is how you do it. In one direction, away from the blade. So you don't slip and cut yourself away from the blade, right? Does everybody feel better now? It's, what do you mean? Am I doing it wrong still? Like this? Okay, great. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Here's what happens. Okay, so everybody come back. Everybody bring it back. Focus. Okay, focus. Here's what happens when accountability is present. Iron sharpens iron, so one man or one woman sharpens another. Here are the benefits of being connected in community with other believers. Sharpening, listen carefully, sharpening restores a tool to more closely reflect its intended design and nature. Life has a way of dulling our senses. Life has a way of dulling our alignment with God and his word. And when you get connected to biblical, godly relationships, it will help you stay committed and connected to God's original design and nature for your life. Because when you sharpen a tool, when iron sharpens iron, I am restoring this tool back to its intended original nature and design. Number two, sharpening makes a tool more effective at doing what it's designed to do. When I, you know, you can, you can cut grass with a, a blade that's dull and it will probably get the job done, but it's not nearly as effective. And, it is, and likewise, it's not effective or efficient. And sharpening does this. When you sharpen something, Vince, I'll get it right, away from me with the blade, right? As I sharpen this blade, I'm making it more effective and more efficient to do what it's designed to do. The same is true in your life. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. When you invite Biblical accountability and community into your life. When you step into that environment, you are making yourself available for God to use someone else to sharpen your life, to make you more effective and efficient at what God's made you to do. The challenge with this, if, you, if you're, again, if you're, I'm, a, I'm an amateur home improver, I love to work with power tools, I love to fix things, to build things, I have worked with a dull blade here and there. Raise your hand if you've worked with dull blades. Come on, somebody. Ever try to drill a hole with a dull drill bit? 
It doesn't work, right? You have a dull saw, a dull, a dull saw blade. That feels like a tongue twister. A dull saw blade or a dull drill bit, it, you will have to work much harder to get the same amount of work done. It's neither effective nor efficient at doing what it does. In fact, I remember one time I have a circular saw and I was cutting a board and the blade was really old and I was cutting this board and all of a sudden I hit a knot and the blade literally jumped back at me. It wasn't funny, Maritza. I mean, I know it might be funny now. I could have been hurt, right? <laughs> I, I hit this knot and the, the whole, you've, if you've worked with circular saws, you know that can happen. And it literally jumped back at me because the blade was so dull. Listen, friends, some of you, now Vince is laughing at me. Listen, at some point in our lives, our senses become dull and we get in danger of walking away from God. In the same way that that, that dull tool put me in danger, in harm's way, when you allow the things of this world to dull your senses without the mutual sharpening effect of a brother or sister in the Lord, you start to wander into dangerous places. You start to wander away from what Paul said to Peter, in line with the truth of the gospel, you start to wander and drift into dangerous places. And that can be avoided and that can be prevented if we invite ourselves and bring ourselves into community with the body of Christ, with brothers and sisters, so that as iron sharpens iron, so one man and one woman sharpens another. When, when we allow this sharpening to happen, we, we, get, we, we more closely reflect God's design for our lives. We become effective and efficient. A couple other things that happen. Sharpening a tool keeps it operating at its fullest potential. When I sharpen this mower blade in this direction, now, you can do it wrong, right? Because earlier I was doing this. They said, Scott, if you slip, you'll cut yourself, right? Now, I got to say, this blade is actually really sharp. I've done a pretty good job here. Um, but when you sharpen that blade, you help it to operate at its fullest potential. The same is true for you and I. When we live in relationships, godly community, godly relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ, we are more apt to live to our fullest potential for the kingdom of God and for the gospel of his Christ. That's why community is so foundational to our lives because we, we want to operate at our fullest potential. And the last one is this. Sharpening a tool actually extends its life. If I have a, a saw blade, a, a mower blade, a drill bit, if I, I work with that as it's sharp, I will extend the lifetime of that tool. The same is true of our lives. When we live in community with biblical relationships, I believe that God will extend your life and effectiveness in the kingdom of God. God did that for me. There were a couple seasons. Many of you know my story. Uh, you know how I was mentored by a man named Carl Dobson in college. But there's a couple parts of it that I haven't ever told. In college... Um, I went to Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. Emory was and still is a very secular university. We've got some college students home. Raise your hand if you're a college student. Come on, let's welcome our college. Come on, put them up proudly. Yeah, got home on fall break. My boys are sitting here. They're home from, from Liberty to fall break. It's great to have some of our college students with us today, home from fall break. Uh, when I was in college, I went to a, a secular university. Emory was very liberal. It was in Atlanta, Georgia, very liberal 
It was and still is. And God shielded me from drifting away from my, my upbringing. I had foundations in my life. I, I don't think I was a, a fully devoted follower, a disciple of Jesus, but I left home a believer in Jesus. And I had, I had a solid foundation from my parents and from this church. But I went to college and I was surrounded by worldliness and by ideologies that don't match the truth of God's word. And God, in his infinite sovereign wisdom and protection of my life, put two people on my life that, that provided this iron sharpens iron. And man, Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Those two people in my life in college, one was obvious, my twin brother, he was my roommate. And so Jeff being there on campus, the two of us together, simply being present, helped us to make good choices in life. God then sent a, a third young man, Artie Spazzaro. He became a really close friend of ours. He was part of that small group Bible study that Carl mentored all of us. And having Jeff and Artie present on campus made an incredible difference in my life. Why? Because iron sharpens iron. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And just by the virtue of their presence, I made better choices. I wanted to live to honor Jesus. When the conversation in the dugout was going south, which it did every day, because Jeff was there, because Artie was there, I decided, you know what? My brothers in Christ are gonna see me if I join into this conversation. Just by their presence, I made better choices. That carried into the minor league system. When I got drafted in 94 and played minor league baseball, God sent other men of God in my life to help protect me from my own impulses and from the, the potential to drift and go wayward from the truth of God's word. One of those men in my second year of baseball in Columbus, Georgia, honestly, in his presence there, probably did more than I've ever even realized. His name was Shan Perry. Shan was married. He lived in Mayo, Florida. He was a good friend of mine. And just by the virtue of his presence on the bus, in the dugout, in the hotel room, on the practice field, because Shan was there and Shan lived a life to honor Jesus. Shan was a born again believer and he and his wife lived for Christ. And just because Shan was there, he was present. This was happening in my life. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And if I was considering getting involved in some of the promiscuous behavior of my teammates on that team, if I was getting swept up by the culture of that team into the conversation of what was happening, there was Shan on the other end of the dugout. And all Shan had to do was do one of these. Do you, does anybody know what I'm talking about, right? You need a brother and sister in your life that will just make eye contact with you. That will simply look you in the eye and you will know without a word being spoken what I'm about to do or what I am doing is not, as Paul said, in line with the truth of the gospel. There is not a person in this room and listening online that doesn't need the impact and benefit of iron sharpening iron. 
Not one of us in this room that is immune from being swept up by the culture. Do you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you to keep you on course? Absolutely. But there's a reason the Bible over and over again exhorts us to live in community with brothers and sisters in the Lord because it makes a difference. Artie made a difference in my life. My twin brother made a difference in my life. Shan Perry made a difference in my life when I was living among lots of very poor decision makers. Let me just say it that way, okay? They were not living a life that honored Jesus. There's a lot of stories I'm not going to tell today, but it was, it was not a good environment for a young man who wanted to live for Christ. But because Shan was there, because God, in my mind, sovereignly put Shan on that baseball team, and Shan's presence on the bus, in the dugout, on the field, made all the difference in my life. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And some of you today are living in isolation. You are living outside of the benefit of having a godly brother or sister or a mentor in your life. Again, I know that we had 600 some people sign up to take a step and get involved in biblical community, praise God, but there may be some of you here today. Maybe you're brand new. Maybe you're brand new to the church. Man, we welcome you. We're so glad you're here. But there may be some today who haven't yet taken a step into biblical community. In fact, maybe you're here today and you haven't even taken your first step. Well, Pastor, what's my first step? Like I'm at church, like what more to do? Your first step, friend, and you heard in the baptism testimonies, I love what they said. Your first step is to confess that you are a sinner in need of a savior. And I, I'm gonna give an exhortation for everybody in this room, everybody online. I've got some walkaways that I want you to consider today. But before I do that, I wanna give some of you a chance to make the decision to invite Jesus into your life. Let me rewind to the word, the prophetic word that was given to me earlier. I was standing out in the atrium uh, by that table over here on this side and a gentleman who I know well came to me almost crying already. He said, Pastor Scott, he's like, I, I, I gotta tell you this. He's like, I feel like the Lord gave me a vision driving in here and I saw, I saw a cross laid and I saw the blood of Christ on the cross and I had this overwhelming sense now crying. He said, I had this overwhelming sense that today for somebody coming to church today, this is life or death. And I want to borrow from the, the playbook of Greg Hubbard. I can't over-dramatize this decision. The Bible says this. The Bible says life is but a mist and a vapor. And it assures us that we are not promised tomorrow. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. Neither are you. None of us in this room, none of us online is guaranteed tomorrow. My friend said, Scott, I just have this overwhelming sense. He's weeping. He says, I have this overwhelming sense that for somebody coming to church today, this is life or death. And I want to impress on you today. I believe that was a prophetic word, maybe for one person listening today. If you are here in this room and you have not yet decided to make Jesus your Lord, I want you to know something. You are not ready to enter eternity. You are not ready to leave this earth. In fact, you are not ready to leave this room. I would urge you, do not walk through those doors today until you know that you know that you know 
that you have given your life to Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died on the cross for your sin, who rose again and ascended to heaven and now lives and sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you today. How do I do that, Pastor? What do I, what do, I do? Like, okay, like, I, I feel something. There's a gravity, I feel like. There's a heaviness in my heart. There's like a weight on my chest. What do I do? I want to give you the chance to respond right now. Sometimes we have people stand. I'm going to ask everybody in the room just to close your eyes, bow your heads just for a second. And if you're sitting in this room, if you're joining us by live stream online and you feel the weight on your chest right now, like there's a 50-pound weight on your heart, and you know that you are not ready to walk out of this room or to leave this earth, you cannot do that before you give your life to Jesus Christ and make certain that when you stand before the God of this universe, he will look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Friend, if you're in this room, if you're listening online and you've never decided to invite Jesus to become the Lord of your life, I'm gonna count to three. I want you to slip your hand up and say, Scott, it's me. One, two, three. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? I, we had about nine hands in the first service. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Don't care what people think around you. Don't worry about what the person you came with thinks. <clears throat> this will be the single most important decision of your life. Still all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Gonna, gonna give one more second. If you are in this room, thank you, young lady. I see your hand. Our ushers are gonna come and find you. They're gonna put a little information in your hand. I see a hand over here too. Ushers, make sure you're seeing these hands and getting to them. Anybody else say, you know what, Pastor? I'm not ready. Thank you, young man. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I don't know. I don't know. There's, this, there's a hand all the way up in the top of this room right here. Let's make sure we get to the white shirt up there. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. God sees you, friend. God sees you. God knows you. And God loves you with an everlasting, unconditional love. He loved you so much that he sent his only son to die on a cross to shed his blood as a payment for your sin. Okay, pastor, I raised my hand. Now what do I do? I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. This prayer is a way of you expressing and placing your faith in Jesus Christ. And everybody else in this room is gonna pray out loud with you as we say this prayer. So I invite you, if you raise your hand and everybody in the room, say these words with me. Dear Jesus, I'm asking you right now to do what no one else can do. On this Sunday morning, I confess that I am a sinner in need of a savior. And on this Sunday morning, I place my faith in Jesus Christ as the eternal son of God who died on a cross for my sin and rose again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, can we join with the celebration in heaven right now? Come on. <clears throat> there is a celebration, Jesus said, in heaven when just one sinner repents of their sin. Just one. We've had about 10 or 12 in this room that repented of their sin. There is a celebration in the presence of God right now. Come on. Uh, if you were the, one of those that raised your hand and you have a bag in your hand, a couple things. There's a book in there called Getting Started. Uh, this is a book that we put together simply to help you now to, you're because you're going to walk out of this building and say, what, what do I do now? Like, okay, I came to church. I felt something. I made a decision. What next? Well, that book is there to answer that question for you. Read a chapter a day. It's going to walk you through the first week of your new life in Jesus Christ. 
There's a card in there as well. And we would really appreciate if you would just take a few minutes, fill out that card, drop it off at the hub on your way out today because we'd love to make sure we get some information to you, follow up with you and help you in this journey, help you get connected to biblical community in the body of Christ. So for the rest of us, what do we do today? I want to ask you this question. Who in your life, I was going to lead on that blade just now. I'm not ready to lean on that. Who is it in your life that stirs you? That stirs you to love God more faithfully, to serve God more passionately, to read his word more purposefully, to pray more fervently, and to love others more consistently. Who is it in your life that does that for you? Who is it in you that, that serves sometimes in the hand of the Holy Spirit as a catalyst to bring you back into alignment with the truth of God's word? Who is it in your life that stirs you to love God, to pray more, to read his word, to love others, and to serve God? If you don't know how to answer that question, you need someone in your life. If you don't know who that person is, it likely means you don't have that person and you are not living inside the benefit of as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And I would say to you, you cannot go one more week without the benefit of iron sharpening iron in your life. I want you to stand with me today. We're gonna close in just, just a second here. As always, if you need prayer, if you want somebody to pray over you, to pray with you, to stand with you in prayer, <coughs> you have a need, you have a circumstance. We've got, in, when I dismiss in prayer, we have altar workers that would be happy and honored to stand with you in prayer. Just walk this way to the front after I pray and they'll we'll find you and pray with you. But I want to say to all of you, if, <coughs> if you are not yet connected to biblical community, if you don't have a person in your life that can send you a text message occasionally and say, hey, what'd you read in the Bible this week? How'd your quiet time go this morning? How's your prayer life right now? How are your decisions right now? Tell me about your dating relationship. If you don't have someone in your life that you have given permission to lovingly ask invasive questions of you, you are not living to the fullest potential of iron sharpening iron. And you need to. And if you're not sure, what do I do? How do I do that? I don't, I don't know. Listen, I want you to walk out of this room and stop by the hub. We've got Kim, Tony, Pastor David are out there. They'd love to talk with you, help you get connected. Some of the groups we have are still open. You can still get signed up for a group. You can still get connected to biblical community. Maybe you're like, you know what? I don't know. That kind of scares me. I don't want to be in a group The eight people. I'm not I'm new to this whole thing. I'm not about to go sit in a circle, sing Kumbaya, which doesn't happen, by the way. But I'm not gonna go and start like sharing all my dark secrets to a group of eight people. I just need a person. I need one person in my life. Man, listen, we've got someone for you. We are working on growing a mentoring ministry at the church for men and women. And if you are here and you're like, I just, I wanna be mentored. I don't know, I don't know who that is. I need somebody in my life. I want you to go find Pastor David out in the atrium after the service and say, give him your name, info, we're going to help you with that. Maybe God's, maybe God's stirred some of you to, to become a mentor. And maybe God is stirring some of you to say, you know what? 
It's time for you to be the iron that sharpens other iron. Some of you have more in you that you're yet giving back to God. And some of you are designed to be the sharpening effect on someone's life. And you should also go talk to Pastor David after the service and say, you know what, I don't, I've been mentored, but I want to now pass that on to somebody else. And I want you to go out there and talk to Pastor David as well. Amen, church? All right, you know your your marching orders. I'm going to pray for us today and believe that God has spoken to you on this day, that God has delivered something to your life very specifically. And now it's your turn to respond to the Holy Spirit and by his empowerment, go act on what you've heard today. God, I thank you for this amazing day. Thank you, God, for this amazing church. I love this family of believers so much. And I pray, God, that you would now move mightily in every person's life here listening under the sound of my voice. God, that they would, by your direction, in the same way that you did that for me in college, in my 20s, God, you brought people into my life. I pray, God, that you would supernaturally and divinely ordain relationships to be born out of this service today and that every person in this room would find biblical community and accountability in a brother or sister of Christ. I pray your blessing and your favor on your church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Love you, church. God bless you. If you need prayer, come on down. We'd love to chat with you. Have an awesome day in the Lord.